0: We have been, uh, this year we've been looking at the wisdom literature, which is the five books that we talked about. And we have given you each week an overview of each of the books Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. And last week, Pastor Caroline gives an overview of Songs of Songs. And starting this week, we're going to focus on various topics in the wisdom literature. So it's very topical in a sense. So today I want to talk about friendship. And next week, Pastor Caroline will address wisdom in wealth. So today my topic is wisdom in friendship. And that's why we choose to read through the book of Proverbs every Sunday. In the 70s, there was a very famous song written by Carol King. God, You've Got a Friend. And I'm sure uh, you heard of it. And I think it was made even more popular by James Taylor. You've got a friend, you know. He said, when you're down and troubled and you need some loving care and nothing, oh, nothing is going right, so just close your eyes and think of me and soon I will be there to brighten up even your darkest night. Call out my name and you know wherever I am, I'll come running to see you again. Winter, spring, summer or fall, all you have to do is call and I'll be there. You've got a friend. It's a beautiful song. We, we, we love this kind of song to talk about friends because we are all in some sense uh, in need of friends in this very lonely world. There's another song in the 80s. Many of you may not know that the, actual lead, the original singer is Rod Stewart. But then again, the song was actually made popular by uh, Dionne Warwick. Uh, called, That's What Friends Are For. I remember during graduation, you know, all the friends swinging left to right, singing, smiling, keep shining, knowing you can always count on me. For sure, that's what friends are for. For good times, for bad times, I'll be on your side forevermore. That's what friends are for, you know. Um, a beautiful song, um, And in some sense, this sermon, all of us here can preach a sermon on friendship. Uh, Because we all have friends, we have good friends, seasonal friends, we have best friends, we've got lousy friends, we've got bad friends, uh, all kinds of uh, uh, friends that we have. And so what I'm going to do this morning is I want to begin by reading to you some verses in the wisdom literature on friendship. And then I want to give you some examples of friends, true friends in the lives of King David. And I can assure you that some of the names I'm going to mention, you've never heard of it before. But it is in the scripture, and, and it is in the details that sometimes that brings out a lot of jam in us. So let me begin by reading to you uh, some uh, scripture verses from the uh, book of Proverbs. The most common One is is Proverbs 17, verse 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Or the New Living Translation says, A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. And then verse 9 says, He who covers over an offense promotes love. But whoever repeats the matter, separate close friends. Yeah? He who covers over an offense as it promote love. You don't want to keep revisiting and dig out things that happened, you know, 20 years ago and still harboring those things within your heart. Proverbs 27 says, An open rebuke is better than hidden love. From a, wounds from a sincere friend's are better than many kisses from an enemy. Now think about that phrase. Wounds from a sincere friend, they are better than many kisses from an enemy. And then verse 9 says, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. We all need advice. At times when we are lost, we don't know what to do, we need advice. And there's no better than to get advice from a godly Christian who have always has your interests at heart. Proverbs 16 says, A, tr- a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. But of course, Christian, we don't gossip. We only share prayer requests. Um, so come for a prayer meeting if you want gossip. It's the best platform to hear stories. And then Proverbs chapter 18, says, "One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 12 says, The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. And I want to show you one figure afterwards. Precisely that verse comes into play. The the righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. And then Proverbs 13 says, Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools... Suffer harm. Now I can tell you, this verse, actually, I can, I can vouch that with my own personal life. I, don't, I didn't grow up in a good environment, so thankfully at 15 years old, someone brought me to church. And because it was actually a very good environment at that time in the 80s, uh, I turned out well in that sense. I have a brother, similar situation to me, but didn't have a good environment. And uh, he went astray in a sense got into drugs and, and all that. And, and this verse actually is, is true. I can vouch it for my personal experience. Walk with the wise and become wise for the companion of fools suffer much. And then there are two more that I want to read. That is not on the PowerPoint. Job chapter 6. Remember the story? Job, we all know the story. He suffers and then you got three friends or four friends, later on. a younger one came along and gave him advice. Remember, very careful to give advice when people are suffering very careful, because emotionally you cannot identify. You've got to be very careful to give advice when people are suffering. And so Job says this in verse 14. He said, One should be kind to a fainting friend, but you accuse me without any fear of the Almighty. My brothers, you have proved as unreliable as a seasonal brook that overflows its bank in the spring, when it is swollen with ice and melting snow. But when the hot weather arrives, the water disappears. The brook vanishes in the heat. Good time, you come, you know. Oprah Winfrey used to say, you know, everybody wants to ride with me in a limousine, you know. I wonder when I've lost it all and I take public transport, whether anyone still will be with me. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, oftentimes used in the context of marriage, it says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one there to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Context of friendship, isn't it? And then there's a bit of a few quotes that say, a real friend cares like a mom, scolds like a dad, teases like a sister, irritates like a brother, and loves you more than a lover. And then someone said, true friendship is like sound health. The value of it is seldom known until it is lost. We all love, lost some love. When I have lost one of my best friends, uh, died of cancer at the age of 38. Um, so let me just, in, at this point of time, goes to the Kingdom era. After all, Proverbs was during, de- written during that time. And I will show you some friends that King David has, and then all these verses were. Place it into 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 a, a real life example. The first one I want to show to you. I have three points here, and then the third point I have extra five sub points, five extra figures that I want to, five characters that I want to show you. I wonder how many of you have heard of Jonah? Dab. We heard of the story about Amnon and Taima, but we seldom hear that Jonah Dab actually plays a big role in that story. Jonadab, I will call him an opportunist friend. Please read 2 Samuel 13 on your own. Amnon is King David's son. He had a friend, so-called friend, whose name is Jonadab. Amnon was the first in line to the throne. If King David died, he would become king. But for some reason, he was obsessed infatuated, lasted after his own half-sister by the name of Tamar, Until he couldn't sleep, he couldn't eat, and he became ill. And then there come this guy called Jonadab into the picture. Here say his friend, but actually Jonadab is Ammon's cousin, King David's brother's son, Jonadab, so it is cousin to uh, Amnon. And then he came to Amnon and said, you know what, I can help you. I can, give, I, I can give you the best advice. You want your half-sister? I can help you. You know what you can do? You pretend to be ill, pretend to be sick. And then when your father, King David, comes to visit you, you ask a request. You say, can you please ask my sister, Tamar to come and cook for me? and feed me? King David said, well, why not? It's your sister. We'll, we'll do that. So Tamar came and cooked for him so that the purpose is that so that Amnon can be alone with Tamar. And then I'll tell you what happened. I'll show you this verse. Then Amnon said to Tamar, after Tamar cooked for Amnon, her half-brother, her, her, her Amnon said, bring the food here into my bedroom so I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought it to her brother Amnon in his bedroom. But when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and said, Come to bed with me, my sister. No, my brother, she said to him. Don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. Don't do this wicked thing. What about me? And Tema say, where could I get rid of my disgrace if that happened? And what about you? You will be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. Please speak to the king. He will not keep me from being married to you. So if you want me, ask for my hand. But he refused to listen to her. And since he was stronger than her, he Rape her. And believe it or not, straight after what he did to her, he chased her out of the room. Literally, read it yourself, okay, 2 Samuel 13. Literally chase her out of the house. Once you get what you want, you are done. Get out. Last is not love. And after the act, the, his love quickly turns to hate. And he literally flings her out of his presence. So Jonadab's seemingly wise counsel to Amnon was only what Amnon wanted to hear, not what was good for him to hear. This is certainly not a true friend. The story hasn't ended yet. M. which is Tema, full-blood brother, got angry. And he began to plot, to want to revenge, to want to kill Amnon for raping his sister. And to cut the long story short, he managed to have a gathering. He asked the father, why don't you come? And the whole family, all the children, this year shipping you know, kind of a festival, come. But the father said, no, I don't want to go. He said, would you allow all your children to come? Say yes, why not? So all the cousins all went for this party. And when the, when the time was right, Absalom killed his half-brother Amnon for raping his sister. And the news got out to King David. But they got the message wrong. The message that went to King David was, all your sons have been killed. All of them. But in reality, it's only Amnon that was killed, but not all the sons. But the message that reached King David's ears was all the sons got killed. And here came Jonadab, okay? Jonadab. Just then, Jonadab, the son of David's brother, Shemir, arrived and said to King David, No, 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 no. Don't believe that all the king's sons have been killed. It was only Amnon. Absalom has been plotting this ever since Amnon raped his sister Tamar. So for two years, Jonadab was aware of this. He was the one who helped Amnon give the advice, and now he's on the side of Absalom, because he knew that Absalom was plotting this for two years now, No, my lord, the king, your sons aren't all dead. It was only Amnon. So is this a friend? All this time, Jonadab knew of the threat to Amnon's life, but made no effort to warn him. That's why I say, Proverbs chapter 12, just now I read to you, the righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray and in the... In this case, Amnon died, was murdered, killed by Absalom because of his own deed. Beware of the friend who only ever supports what you want. Be very careful of that. And some of us need to evaluate that as well. Whether or not we have bad influence in our life, that we need to stay away there was a story about a man who called his friend, or rather dialed a wrong number and got the following recording. I'm not available right now, but I thank you for caring enough to call me. I am making some changes in my life. Please leave a message after the beep. If I do not return your call, you are one of the changes. But I think we get a message. We have to be wise with who we hang around with. We've got to be wise whether or not this person actually giving you, have your interests at heart. The second character I want to bring to you is the unforgiving friend. It's Ahithophel. Ahithophel. Ahithophel was uh, King David's counsellor, number one counsellor. Very, very wise man. In fact, the scripture says this about Ahithophel in 2 Samuel. For every word that Ahitophel spoke seems as wise as though it had come directly from the mouth of God. So his advice is almost like God's view. He is so wise that it is as if it come directly from the mouth of God. So that is Ahithophel. But Ahithophel nursed a grudge against King David. You know why? His son was a guy by the name of Eliam. E-L-I-A-M. His son is Eliam. And Eliam has a daughter by the name of Bathsheba. So in other words, Bathsheba is King David's granddaughter. And you know the story. You know the story of Bathsheba and King David. And as a result, Ahithophel harbored this great bitterness and resentment against King David. And he has been planning and planning. And, and after Nathan confronted David, David asked for forgiveness from God. Psalm 51, Psalm 32, you can read all about that. But he never forgave him. Ahithophel never forgave King David, but nursed a perpetual grudge of bitterness. And years later, when Amnon was dead, Absalom now is in line to the throne. And Absalom led a palace coup. We are probably aware if you read uh, the kingdom stories, he led a coup against King David. And Ahithophel saw his chance for revenge, and therefore he decided to join Absalom. And when, Epsilon, when David was exiting the palace, running away, Absalom asked the counselor, Ahithophel, what should I do next? And this is what Ahithophel said to Absalom. Then Absalom turned to Ahithophel and asked him, what should I do next? Ahithophel told him, Go and sleep with your father's concubines, for he has left them here to look after the palace. Then all Israel will know that you have insulted your father beyond hope of reconciliation, and they will throw your support, throw their support to you. Yes, this is the wisest, the counsel of the wisest men in Israel. You know why? Because he wanted to ensure. That there will be no turning back. The rebellion had to succeed now by publicly humiliating your father by raping the concubine. So they they pitch a tent up on the roof and then he raped the concubines. So that there's no return now. Ahithophel wants Epsilon to have no return. This is the way now, there's no this rebellion must goes on. There's no way of turning back. And when he was giving counsel to King Absalom, or not King Absalom, sorry, Absalom, this is what he said to Absalom. You can see, you can sense his bitterness and, and anger. He says this. Now Ahithophel urged Absalom. He said, "Let me." All right, what is a counselor doing in a war? He's not even the Job or, or uh, Uzziah or Uriah. You know, he, he's just a counselor. He said. Let me choose 12,000 men to start out after David tonight. I will catch up with him while he is weary and discouraged. He and his troops will panic and everyone will run away. And then I will kill only the king. And I will bring all the people back to you as a bride returns to her husband. Let me kill him. Let me be the one. Let me draw the sword and kill him. You can feel the bitterness and the resentment, the anger of wanting revenge. And that is why some, but some scholars say that uh, Psalms 41, uh, when, uh, when David says this, Even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shed my bread, has turned against me. Many scholars say that he had Ahithophel in mind when he wrote this verse. And this exact words was actually spelled out in John 13 of Judas. When Jesus took bread and fed Judas, he says, He who share my bread has turned against me, quoting this verse that King David uttered. So in some sense, if you're into typology and kind of things, in some sense, Ahithophel who betrayed his friend King David foreshadows Judah's betrayer of Jesus. There's a foreshadow there in the future. So my friend, to forgive or not to forgive is your call. But if you don't forgive, uh, you will die from bitterness and resentment. You will die, literally. You only live. No, sorry, you only exist. You no longer live thereafter. You only exist until the day you die, but you don't actually live. Without forgiveness, without forgiveness, there will be no healing. Without forgiveness, there will be absolutely no healing. I must move on because I have five more characters that I want to show you. And I'm going to skim through very quickly, but I encourage you, if you have time, to read 2 Samuel 15-18. chapter 15 to 18. Chapter 15 to 18. Now, this is the time that David begins to depart. He left the palace. He's at his lowest point of his life. He's not as a king now. When you are a king, you have lots of friends. When you're doing well, you could, surely you've got lots of friends. But now he is down and out, and we're going to see who are his loyal friends. And I want to show you five. Five. Hard times will always reveal true friends. We all know that. We all experience that in our own lives. And a dog is the only thing on earth that loves you more than he loves himself. No wonder Sunya has three dogs. (laughs) Hard times will always reveal true friends, isn't it? I want to show you this first person who was extremely loyal to King David, by the name of Ittai the Gittite. I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, It's in 2 Samuel 15. It says this, The king and all his people, they are beginning to leave now, set on foot, pausing at the very last house, to let all the king's men move past to lead the way. And there there were 600 men from Gath, who had come from David, along with the king's bodyguard. Geth is where King David last time spent a number of months when he was running away from Saul. So he, 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 he and he might have inspired some confidence and this group of people left and came to want to join, become a, a part of King David's place. So he, he came and then the king turned to him and said to Itai, a leader of the men from Geth, why are you coming with us? Go on back to King Absalom. See, King David actually addressed him King Absalom, thinking that he will never be king ever again. For you are a guest in Israel, a foreigner in exile. You arrived only recently. And should I force you today to wander with us? I don't even know where we will go. I don't even know where is my next town. I'm running. Go on back and take your kinsmen with you and may the Lord show you his unfailing love and faithfulness. Now, this is what Itai, the Gittite replied. But Ittai replied to the king, As surely as the Lord lives, and as my Lord the King lives, wherever my Lord and King may be, whether it means life or death, there will your servant be. What a line, isn't it? Whether it means life or death, there will your servants be. I mean, imagine he just came to join King David, and King Medu is running away. Naturally, you know, but he decided to go with King David. Whether it means life or death, there will your servants be. There was a competition about writing on the definition of friends and the winning line in Britain many years ago was this. A friend is the first person who comes in when the whole world goes out. And I think it type, display what true friend is. Whether it means life or death, there will your servants be. And then David said, go. I take your word as it is. Go. March on with his men and the families that were with him, The next character I want to show you is Zadok and Abitai. Uh, they were priests. They were carrying the ark of God because in that time, the presence of God dwelt in the ark until King Solomon built the temple. Then God dwelt in the temple that King Solomon built. And then in the New Testament, we become the temple of God. God dwell in, Holy Spirit dwells in us. The minute we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we become the temple of God. Permanently dwell in us. Zadok the priest here, it he says, the whole countryside wept aloud as all the people passed by. The king also crossed the Kidron Valley and all the people moved on towards the wilderness. Zadok was there too and all the Levites, because the priests are from the Levite tribes, who were with him and were carrying the ark of the covenant of God. They set down the ark of God and Abiatar offered sacrifices until all the people had finished leaving the city. And then the king said to Zadok, take the ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he will bring me back and let me see it and his dwelling place again. So that is, if I find favor in God. But if I'm not pleased with you, then I'm ready. Let him do to me whatever seems good to him. He's completely submissive to the will of God. Well, it's God's will, I will come back. If not, then let him do whatever he likes with me for the punishment of my sin, maybe, for all the things that I've done wrong. King David certainly was a good king, but he was a terrible father. He never even addressed the Amnon situation. And therefore, it led to the uprising of King Absal- I mean, Absalom. He never even disciplined and talked to the, to the son about his wrongdoing. And many men are like that, unfortunately. Many men are very passive. Nowadays, men are very passive, you know. Don't like, to, don't like to take the role of what it means to lead the household and set the example. And leave it to the wife or to the mother to do the role. And Zadok, they were priests, and, and they David they said, go, you know. And then he went on to say to Zadok, do you understand? Go back to the city with my blessing. Don't come with me. Go back. Return. Take your son. And then Abilatar's son, Jonathan, and return. I will wait at the forts in the wilderness until word comes from you to inform me. In other words, Actually, King David asked the two guys to be his spy, to go back, to be his spies. And true enough, later on, later on, when Hushai, Hushai is another figure out this, my third, third character, Hushai actually told Zadok and Abiata, Because now, King Abs- uh, Absalom is going to become king, he has Ahithophel with him, And then David asked Hushai to go back and counter the advice of Ahithophel so as to pass message to these two priests to bring it to King David. Hushai told Zadot and Abathai the priest, Ahithophel has advised Absalom and the elders of Israel to do such and such a thing, but I have advised him to do so and so. So you, now quickly go and send a message to tell David, do not spend a night at the forts in the wilderness. Cross over without fail, or the king and all the people with him will be swallowed up. So here you see King David asking the two priests to return so that they can become the messenger, the word to King David. That's the kind of friends that we need, isn't it? Have you heard a story about two men who were out hunting and then suddenly one yelled at the other, look up to see a grizzly bear charging at them. And the first one started to frantically put on his shoes and his friend anxiously asked, what are you doing? Don't you know you can't outrun a grizzly bear? And he said, no, 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 I don't have to outrun a grizzly bear, I just have to outrun you. I think that's the kind of friends that some of us, most of us have. When the chips are down, they think of themselves first. But the true, true, real friends will always think of you and put you first. The third character is Hushai the Archite. And interestingly, let me tell you, Hushai is the only person in the David story is known as one. He's known as David's friend. That is his, he, that's his title. Four times. In Samuel, it talks about Hushai as King David's friend. I'll show you 1 Chronicles chapter 27. 1 Chronicles 27 is about naming this person and then telling this person what is his role. It's just like saying, Elwin, he's the elder of the church. Uh, Sherilyn, she's uh, in charge of the kids' church. Uh, this, you know, the, it's all about those. You know. Let me show you some, okay? Asmavel, son of Ariel, was in charge of the royal storehouses. Jonathan, son of Uzziah, was in charge of the storehouses in the outlying districts, in the towns, the villages, and the watchtowers. Jonathan's David's uncle, was a counselor, a man of insight, and a scribe. Jehil, son of Hapmoni, took care of the king's son. You see that? The name and then the function, the role, the portfolio. Then come down. Ahithophel that we just mentioned, who, who was he? He was the king's counsellor. Who Shai the Akai was the king's friend. That is his role. That is, that is his role. The you know, whole chapter is about this person doing this, this person doing that. And I come to Hushai, he was a king's friend. It's almost like, like I have a, a friend in, in, in the executive, you know. Everybody has a role, you know: chairman, secretary, treasurer, and all. And then I have someone. This one, friend, friend of friend of Glenn. That's it. So he is just known as King Hushai. Uh, Hushai is just known as David's friend. So let me put it in the context. Stay with me, please. As David, uh, as David, continued up the Mount of olive, he was running away, weeping as he went. His head was covered, and he was barefoot. And all the people with him covered their heads too, and were weeping as they went up. They were crying. Now David had been told that Ahithophel, which is his counselor, is among the conspirators with Absalom. So David prayed, said, "Lord, please turn Ahithophel's counsel into foolishness, because he knows that Ahithophel was a wise man, but now his friend is counseling." Absalom, his son. He said, Lord, please, turn Ahithophel's counsel into foolishness. And you know what? God immediately answered his prayer. When David arrived at the submit, where people used to worship God, who's shy? The archite was there to meet him. His robe torn and dust on his head because it's a sign of, of uh, sorrow David said to him, If you go with me, you will be a burden to me. But if you return to the city, you see, God immediately answered his prayer by providing him Hushai. He said, Please, Lord, you know, counsel, uh, turn, turn Ahithophel's counsel into foolishness. Here, Hushai appeared. If you return to the city and say to Absalom, Your Majesty, I will be your servant. I was your father's servant in the past, but now I will be your servant. And then, you can help me by frustrating Ahithophel's advice. You can counter Ahithophel. There is someone there to counter him giving advice to Epsilon, which in reality he succeeded, if you know the story. It actually succeeded. Hushai was able to frustrate Ahithophel's advice, and eventually when, when Ahithophel's advice was not taken in by Epsilon, you know what he did? He rode a donkey, settled his affair. He hung himself and died. Same as Judas. Again, foreshadowing of the New Testament. He hung himself and he committed suicide. And then King David went on to tell Hushai, the priests Zadot and Abital, he, they will be with you. Tell them anything you hear in the king's palace. There are two sons as well. Send them to me with anything you hear. So Hushai, David's friends, arrived at Jerusalem as Absalom was entering the city. And there you go. Hushai went back, returned back to Jerusalem, put his neck out there for King David because David was his friend and he would die for his friend. He went back and was able to successfully counter Ahithophel's advice to king, to Absalom. And Absalom actually took on Hushai's advice rather than Ahithophel. And as a result, uh, things went the correct way. Thank the Lord for those people who will stand by us, no matter what the cost. I don't know any of you here recognize these two guys. Probably not, but if I mentioned their names, you would. That guy on my right, the the black guy, he is Jesse Owen. And the other guy is Luz Long. In 1936, Luz Long is a German, in 1936, Olympic Games in Berlin, that was the rise of uh, Adolf Hitler and the Iron Race and all that, there was a beautiful thing that comes out of this story. Jesse Owen was the world record holder in long jump. And Luz Long was the record holder for European Championship. So everybody was looking forward to this Olympic, see who will win. And during the uh, uh, qualification round, Lose long easily leap past the qualifying mark. And Jesse Owen could have easily crossed the mark as well. But for some reason, Owen keeps stepping on the line, crossed the line. Keep on stepping on it, and therefore fault, faulted twice. Faulted twice. And he has only one last chance to qualify for the final. And he's the world record holder. And you've never heard this before. You know what Luz Long did? He went over to Jesse Owen and gave him some technical advice. He said the qualifying mark, you can easily jump, you know. Why don't you don't go so close to the, to the mark? You leave a few more inches, you can easily qualify. And when you come to the final, then you try your best to, to, to step on that line, the, the Lesser, you know? And Jesse Owen did that. He left about 10 inches and he easily qualified and went to the final and won the championship, won Olympic gold medals. And you know, Jesse Owen, some later on in his life, loose long, by the way, he died at the age of 30 uh, in a war. And this is what Jesse Owen said about loose long. He said, it took a lot of courage for him to befriend me in front of Adolf Hitler. I would melt down all the medals and cups I have, and there wouldn't be a plating on the 24-carat friendship that I felt for Luz Long at the moment. It's very hard to find nowadays, isn't it? In the age of social media and all that, it's, it's, it's very hard to find real, authentic, genuine friends. I must move on. I'm going to be quick. These this three guys, there are a lot of things that you can say about these three guys. When you study into where they are from and all that, it's amazing. But I just want to point out one person, Bazilai. Bazilai. You know what these three guys did? As David was running away, was leaving uh, Jerusalem, they helped David. They brought sleeping mats, cooking pots, serving bowls, wheat, barley, flour, roasted grain, beans, lentils, honey, butter, sheep, goats, cheese for David and those who were with him. For they said, you must all be very hungry and tired and thirsty after your long march through the wilderness. So David was very appreciative of this tree. And then, when Absalom died, David returned to Jerusalem as king. And as he was returning back, this is what happened. Bazilai of Gilad had come down from Rojalim to escort the king across the Jordan, back to Jerusalem. He was very old, 80 years of age. I'm sorry if you're 80 years old. I didn't say that it directly from the scripture. He was very old. 80 years of age and very wealthy man. He was the one who had provided food for the king during his stays in Mahanam. Again, if you study this word Mahanam, it's it's an amazing place because this is a place where Jacob was second time and the angels provided for Jacob. So so God again used that place as a kind of symbolic way of sending these three guys and angels to provide for the King David. So he was the same guy. And this is what King David said to him, come across with me and live in Jerusalem, the king said to Bazzillai. I will take care of you then, because you helped me, you were nice to me, you helped me in times of need, now I want to look after you. He said, no, he replied, I am far too old to go with the king to Jerusalem. I am 80 years old today, and I can no longer enjoy anything. Food and wine are no longer tasty, and I cannot hear the singers as they sing. I will only be a burden to my lord the king. And then he said, why don't you take my, my uh, uh, son? You know? um, I want to return to my uh, father and mother there and buried there. But here is your servant, my son, Kim Ham. Take him with you and look after him, whatever you want to give him. He said, good, the king agreed. And Kim Ham will go with me and I will help him in any way you would like and I will do for you what, anything you want. Just as a way to repay kindness. For what he has done. So all the people crossed the Jordan with the king after David had blessed Bazillai and kissed him. Bazilai returned to his own home. This man revealed the true nature of friendship: they gave without being asked, and they asked for nothing in return. That's very important. They asked for nothing in return. Right? So when you help someone, you ask nothing in return. They gave out of love with no hidden agenda. They did what they did because they loved David. He was their friend and no price was too high and no inconvenience was too great. They did what they could for their friend. Last person, Joab. Joab was King David's number one general. Just like Ahithophel was King David's number one advisor, Joab was King David's number one general. He was actually David's nephew. And he led, he led the war, in the sense, to, to seize back the throne from Absalom. During the battle to retake Jerusalem and to bring David back to the throne, David's son Absalom becomes trapped in a tree by his hair, right? We're all are familiar with that. Joab finds him hanging there in the tree, and then he... He and his armor-bearer killed Epsilon. And you know what happened after that? When David hears the news, he is devastated. He goes off by himself to mourn. David is overcome with grief and guilt and cannot comprehend that the kingdom had been returned to him. I want to read to you the final passage of what jo- Joab did during this time. Because it is supposed to be a time of rejoicing. But when you see the king crying and mourning, how dare you rejoice, right? Joab was told the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. And for the whole army, the victory that day was turned into mourning. Because on that day, the troops heard it said the king is grieving for his son. So they don't dare to rejoice in a sense. The men stole into the city that day as men still in who are ashamed when they flee from battle, they almost feel bad for returning to the city in that sense. The king covered his face and cried aloud, Oh, my son, Absalom. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son, my son. And then Joab, what he did? You know what he did? He went into the house of the king and he said to the king, Today you have humiliated all your men who have just saved your lives and the lives of your sons and your daughters, and the lives of your wives, and your concubines. You love those who hate you, and you hate those who love you. You have made it clear today that the commanders and the men mean nothing to you. It's almost like we did the wrong thing. I see that you would be pleased if Absalom were alive today and all of us were dead. Incredible, isn't it? That you dare to say to a king like that? Now go out and encourage your men. I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a man will be left with you by nightfall. This will be, the, this will be worse for you than all the calamities that have come on you from your youth to now. This will be the worst decision that you ever made. Everyone will abandon you now. And you have a dead son as well. So the king, as we hawking, we say, Quiet kwae. Gonna scolded the day. So the king got up, took his seat in the gateway. When the men were told the king is sitting in the gateway, they all came before him. They now can rejoice, can have the victory march, and there to celebrate in the sense for, able to get back the throne for David what a guy, what a man, Job, dared to confront the king and speak truth into his life. And that is why these words become so clear, isn't it? Oscar Wilde, true friends always step you in the front. True friends always step you in the front, who dare to speak truth into your lies. And usually only those who are very close to you, particularly your families, dare to say this. But truth is not easy to digest, but they are necessary if you want to be on the right track. Joab was a friend because he told David the truth. He would not stand by and watch his friends make a mistake that he would later regret. And that is why Proverbs 27 that we read, better is open, rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies, kisses. And this is what a friend does. they will tell you the truth about your life and your decisions. Well, this is a very quick run-through about some of the friendship that David has. But I cannot finish this sermon without mentioning the fact that Jesus should be, always be your ultimate friend. At the end of the day, friends will always let you down. Maybe because your expectation is too high. At the end of the day, no one can meet up to all your expectations. And at the end of the day, remember that Jesus should always be your ultimate friend. And you can encounter him in your life. Let me finish with this simple illustration. In 1999, 31st of December, 1999, my wife and I, we were honeymoon in uh, New Zealand, North Island. We visited a friend in Auckland. And you remember, it's counting down to the new millennium. And uh, I think Auckland was the first major city in the world that ushered in the new millennium. And we were wondering what to do on 31st December. What should we do at 12 a.m.? And then we decided to join our friends to go to their church for a prayer meeting at 11 o'clock. Because in their tradition, just like my church back in Singapore, we have this tradition called watch night service. Some of you have this tradition, watch night service, 11.30 service. And then we will usher in the New Year together um, and so we decided to, to go there for a prayer meeting. This is a very small church, only 10 people there. And I was at a crossroad junction of my life, what to do. I been mean, searching, what is my next step? You know, where should I go? What should I do? And in that prayer meeting, we prayed, and there was, we sang one hymn that I will never, never forget the title of the hymn is called He Leadeth Me. It's an old English, He Leads Me. And the chorus says, He leadeth me, He leadeth me. By His own hands, He leadeth me. A faithful follower I would be, for I know my God will lead me. And that night, I had peace. At the cross junction of my life, I had tremendous amount of peace knowing that God will lead me, and I'll just need to be a faithful follower. The rest, he will work it out in his own way. Jesus is our ultimate friend at the end of the day, when no one else you can turn to. He is always the ultimate friend. So let me just ask you to join me in prayer, and then we are going to sing the obvious closing hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus as you ponder upon him as our ultimate friend. Lord, we just want to say thank you for your word. Lord, we have many friends in our lives. Uh, over the years, for those of us who have lived longer, you, they have more friends in their life. But yet at the same time, we encounter all sorts of friends in our lives. Some good, some bad. Some we fell off. Some good friends became our enemies. And usually enemies are our best friend or close to us. Um, because it cut deeps. When it cut deeper... Uh, it's harder to forgive. And so we just want to pray that you will help us not just only have good friends, more importantly, help us to be a good friend. Only when we be a good friend, then we will have the same type of friends. Help us to love others, to have good friends in our lives that we will lay down our lives for, because life here can be very lonely without uh, good friends. And thank you that Jesus is our ultimate best friend, that we can always go through for advice, for counsel, for guidance, for every step that we take. Let Jesus be that friend who guides us. Because you said in your word, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And thank you for being our friends. As we sing this closing hymn, dear Lord, minister to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we close this time of service with this beautiful hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus.